This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Thank you so much for your invitation to be here. I'd like to greet you, of course, on behalf of the worldwide family of the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem, and also on behalf of World Outreach Church, of which I am the Associate Minister. It is in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And that should be easy for each and every one of you to pronounce because you are Irish. (laughs) Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Murfreesboro is half an hour from Nashville, Tennessee which many of you know to be Music City. And I was telling people this morning that the one unknown factor about the great city of Nashville is that a few months ago it was declared Bible City for this reason, that 95% of all the Bibles in the world are published in Nashville, Tennessee. So it's good to be with you. It's good to greet you, and thank you for the opportunity to share the Word of God with you. So I want to take you on a little journey tonight about what's happening in the world, and then I want to speak to you about our own walk with Jesus. Amen. That's important. We live in very crucial times. We live in very dangerous times, and we are living in days wherein the church of Jesus has to somehow find a new place in God. I'll explain that. There is at present a global campaign of hate against the Jewish people. This campaign of hate is on a scale that's never been seen before. I read about it this morning again. I get all sorts of emails from all over the world, from all sorts of analysts, some of them very credible. And they have said there is a global mounting campaign of hatred against the Jewish people, this time on a scale that is across the world. That should make every one of us think In the 1930s, this campaign gathered momentum in the land of Germany. But to now, it's in every single nation of the world. Jews are hated. Leaders of Israel cannot speak at universities anywhere. So-called institutions of learning that uphold so-called democracy and free speech will not let them speak. And the BDS campaign, which has to do with boycott, disinvestment, and sanctions, has nothing to do with economics. It has no impact on Israel's economy whatsoever. It is totally irrelevant to the economic fortunes of Israel. But that is not the purpose of the thing. It is viciously anti-Semitic. 
and it started in Toronto, Canada. How did that happen? I was saying this morning, how is it possible that allies that fought together against the tyranny of Nazism and its vicious hatred of the Jews <clears throat> are now the very countries where anti-Semitism is thriving unchecked. And even a major political party in your country is riddled with anti-Semitism. How did that happen? And the word of God says in the book of Revelation that I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, going to the whole world to gather every nation against Israel. Now I understand and for sure we thank God for a congregation that supports Israel. Thank God for you. Thank God for your pastor. But this is the situation that we are facing today. And coupled with that, <clears throat> we are facing a growing conflict of huge proportions. I'm not bringing you bad news tonight, I'm bringing you real news. I'm not here to bring you good news or bad news. I'm here to bring you real news. A global conflict of huge proportions. As we sit here tonight, NATO has now moved into one of the greatest training drills in its history in Poland. Did you know that? Why? Because Putin has been flying blackjacks. You know what a blackjack is? A blackjack is a nuclear-armed intercontinental bomber. For the first time in decades, Putin has been flying these things into Scandinavian airspace and even down the channel that the RAF had to scramble a few months ago. <coughs> there is something on the move, but ultimately we are facing a huge conflict. And the God of the Bible he said he's going to shake everything. Things in heaven and things on earth. We know that scripture from the book of Hebrews and of course we know it from the book of Haggai. But have you ever read it from the book of Isaiah? I'd like to read that to you. Isaiah 24 verse 21 to 23. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord will punish on high the host of exalted ones. 
demonic powers. He will dislodge them. I will shake all things in heaven and on earth. And on the earth, the kings of the earth. He's going to shake the earth. They will be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and will be shut up in the prison. After many days, they will be punished. Then the moon will be disgraced and the sun ashamed. For the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion in Jerusalem and before his elders gloriously. What an amazing scripture. The only safe place on the earth will ultimately be the land of Israel. And those people who have attached themselves to a Jewish Messiah. That's you. Amen. That's what Isaiah said. God is going to go forth. He's going to shake the powers in the heavens. He's going to bring them down. It's like the book of Revelation, isn't it? There's nothing new in the Bible. There's nothing new in the book of Revelation. It's all an exposition of the Hebrew scriptures. There's absolutely nothing new in the book of Revelation. And the writer John sees this war in heaven. And the devil is cast out of his second heaven to the earth. He is shaken. And removed. And then there is a great shaking on the earth. And the triumph of God over everything that is wicked and evil is in Jerusalem. The king will reign. And we sang about him this evening. It's also true as we gather here tonight that Israel is moving toward a huge conflict. And we need to know it. Brian was saying this evening that Israel really should not exist. That's true. There's no way that Israel can exist. She is absolutely overwhelmed with hatred in this world and always has been. But as I mentioned a moment or two ago, there is a gathering hatred against the Jewish people and Israel that is unprecedented. And Israel is moving toward a huge conflict. Listen to me carefully. I know some things that probably you would not know, not because I'm bragging, but because my family serves in Israel's foreign ministry. There's a huge conflict coming. And on paper, theoretically, Israel cannot survive. You need to know that. But the God of Israel is allowing it. Why would he do that? 
because the restoration process unfolding in Israel tonight has to do ultimately with Jesus of Nazareth. God didn't bring the Jews home to Tel Aviv to play and to establish the city as the gay ghetto of the world of which they are proud. We are living in a time when God is even dealing with the nation of Israel. He's dealing with the church, he's dealing with the nation of Israel and he is dealing with the world. As we've said, the world is moving to a problem. But he's dealing with Israel and he's dealing with Israel to save her, to bring her to Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? And that too is in the Bible. The book of Hosea talks about Jesus coming. Let us read that. I'm taking you on this little journey tonight. The book of Hosea talks about Jesus. It's quoted in the book of Acts, this passage, by Peter. <coughs> and here we have the Messiah speaking, Jesus, in verse 14 of chapter 5. For I will be like a lion to Ephraim, <laughs> And like a young lion to the house of Judah, I, even I, will tear them and go away. That's exactly what he did. He came. And they received him not. And he wept over them from the city of Jerusalem. And he said to them, listen, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation, behold, your house will be left desolate unto you. You'll be torn and he went away. And in AD 70, that's exactly what happened. Hundreds of thousands of Jews were killed. The city of Jerusalem was plundered. The Sea of Galilee ran red with blood, literally. Recorded by Josephus Flavius. I will take them away and no one will rescue, he says. I will return again to my place, capital M, that's at the right hand of heaven, until they acknowledge their offense. Then they will seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. Jesus says, I'm going to return to the right hand of glory until they turn to me. That's exactly what Jesus said. He quoted that. You will not see me again until you say, blessed art thou who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is not returning visibly or physically to this earth. until the Israelis invite him home. And as you look at them today, you think that's a long way off. Not really. 
The Bible says that God will change them in a day. And how will he do it? The Bible says he will allow affliction to come over the land of Israel. In their affliction they will earnestly seek me. That's Jesus speaking. This is what they say, chapter 6, verse 1. Come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us, and on the third day he will raise us up, that we may live in his sight. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. That's Israel calling out of Jesus. At his second coming. He said it, yeah. That's not the church. I'll stay in heaven until they acknowledge. In their affliction, in their affliction, they will earnestly seek my face. My dear friends, I'm speaking tonight to people who love Israel and understand her biblically. I do not have to make the case for Israel to you because of your shepherd. Thank God for him. But I am telling you that things are going to happen in Israel that's going to shock even people who support her. And we have to be a people of prayer. And tonight Jesus is speaking to you and to me. He's talking to us. Because the devil's not shaking the world. Jesus is. Jesus is going to shake everything. And he's shaking it. And we are moving into days which are unbelievable. The restoration of Israel in the Bible, according to Jesus, is one of the end time signs. The return of the Jewish people to Jerusalem, according to Jesus, in the Bible, is one of the signs heralding his coming. So we've been living in the last days for 2,000 years according to the Bible. But the end time, really since 1967, isn't that awesome? It should sober us all up. It sobers me up. Make us think, who am I? What am I doing? What is my life about? Odd questions for Christians, right? But very necessary. What is your life about? What is my life about? What are you really living for? Who are you living for? Because we're Christians, the obvious answer is always Jesus, isn't it? But is it? I speak to myself. 
So these are the days in which we're living. If there's ever a time when Israel needs help, it's today. You know, the Bible speaks in Acts chapter 3 about a remarkable restoration that will begin in Israel. It quotes this passage, actually. Heaven will retain him or keep him until the restoration of all things. That restoration of all things has to do with Israel's physical recovery followed by her spiritual recovery, a process that is now underway. But the interesting thing about that restoration of all things is that you have it. It does not apply to the church, that chapter. Not at all. Peter says to the Jews, repent and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, that he may send Jesus back to you, whom heaven must keep or retain until you go through a process of restoration and return back to him. Then he will come back. And that restoration has to do with times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. We are the people who are already restored. We have it. We have it. We are filled with the Spirit. We have what Israel needs. And the Bible says that part of God's plan for Israel is that we should be a provocation to jealousy to them. And by this, it means not that we should necessarily all the time tell them we love them. It means that we demonstrate the power of God's spirit in our lives. That's what impacts them. When they feel something that's coming from your life that is part of their soul DNA, which they need, they recognize it. because we have the restoration of all things. I was once in a meeting in Jerusalem. I was speaking. At the end of the service, wasn't the service, end of the meeting, a major Israeli politician came up to me. I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you. It's obnoxious to brag. But a major Israeli politician called Dr. Yuri Stern. Who ever met Dr. Yuri Stern? <coughs> Wonderful man of God. Something about him was very interesting. I'm not sure. But his father was a Christian. He was a Russian Jew. And Yuri came out of the meeting and he said, I'd like to speak to you. I said, okay. 
So he said, let's go to the side. So I went to the side of the hall, and this is how he put it. He said, he said, Malcolm, what's the magic? That's the way he put it. What's the magic? I said, Yuri, what magic? What are you talking about? He said, it's got nothing to do with what you said tonight. He said, I felt a power that impacted my soul. And the only way I can explain it is to say, what's the magic? And that's what uh, that young lady said tonight from the pulpit. Where is she? There she is. Dealing with the, the woman in the town. Let them feel her magic. And that requires something from us. Israel needs the magic. It's not magic. It's Jesus. You know, please forgive me, I'm not bragging. I stood in that, a line to get a license in Tennessee to drive. I've got to get a driver's license. Standing in this long queue. I was just standing there quietly. And this woman next to me said to me, Who are you? I was startled. I said, what do you mean, who are you? She said, who are you? I looked at her and said, I have no idea what you're talking about, madam. She said, there's something coming from you. I can feel it. I was astonished as she was. I said to her, I'm a preacher of Jesus. She said, I knew it. <laughs> it surprised me. So I want to leave you with a challenge tonight about who are you because these things are coming these things are coming and they are here these are weighty matters of tremendous repercussion and God is calling you tonight into a different place I want to speak to you about that now. God is calling you into a different place. There are people here tonight, he told me, I have not preached this anywhere. I pray about every meeting. There are people here tonight who need to listen to what I'm going to tell you. I want to turn to John chapter 15. Mother scripture. You all know it, don't you?
I pray to the glory of God that the magic gets hold of my life more and your life more. Amen. I really pray tonight that the magic of Jesus will get hold of you. I am the vine dresser and my father is the I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. That's a very difficult passage. The implications of how you continue are here drawn out. He tells them that they're all clean because they've all come to him and by faith they are saved. You're clean because of the word I gave you, but now, but now you have to make a choice on how you're going to live your life. And that's true for every Christian. You have got to make a choice on how you're going to live your life. And Jesus said, preeminently that means you have to abide in him. Preeminently, that means you have to learn to abide in him. And that means two things. First of all, it means you have to be a person of prayer, much prayer. Did you hear me? You have to be a person of prayer. You can't abide in him apart from prayer. You have to be a person of devotion. And not simply personally, but corporately. Do you know what Jesus said about his church? Jesus said this. My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. You know, the house of God is not a preaching place primarily, though it includes that. It's not a singing place or a worshipping place primarily. Though it includes that. It's a house of prayer. In other words, the primary function of every one of us here tonight is prayer in this place. The primary function. In other words, we don't and should not really have prayer meetings, should we? This is the prayer meeting. I was preaching in a church somewhere overseas 
and there was a, a room at the back and it had prayer room over it. And I said to the pastor, who gathers there? He looked surprised. He said, what do you mean who gathers there? Malcolm, what's going on? I said, no, who gathers there? He says, no, we pray there on Wednesday nights. I said, that's great. Who prays there? I says, about 20 of us pray there. 10 to 20. Depends. I said, really, how big is your congregation? He said, no, we're about 500. I said to him, you know what? This is the prayer room, not that. Are you all together in the prayer meeting once a week? Every one of you. If not, why not? Why not? This is a house of prayer. It's not a house of preaching. It's not a house of worship or singing. It's a house of prayer. Jesus is speaking to you and to me. It's been the journey of my life, this issue. He said, you know, you've got to abide in me. The early church would not break away from prayer, even to serve on tables and stuff like that. Prayer was the cornerstone of their life. They did some preaching, but they actually always were together in prayer. And Jesus wants to speak to us tonight. About our prayer lives. About abiding in him. He's not here to condemn us. He's here to encourage us out. So what's your prayer life like? I have a friend, you might have heard of him, he's a very close friend of mine. His name's Angus Buchan. Who's heard of Angus Buchan? He's one of the few men in the world that routinely preaches to 200, 300,000 people at a time. He just had a meeting in South Africa in one of the farming areas of 200,000 men. It's a phenomenon. Angus Buchan. I know him very well, very close friend of mine. What's going on with Buchan? You know, Buchan is a hillbilly South African preacher. He wears a Stetson, big boots, and a belt. Not so, Brian? So, what is it? He's got this sort of one message sermon that he always gets down to, but what is it that 200,000 people routinely come to hear him and people get healed and delivered and he doesn't even know it? Well, Buchan prays five hours a day. You want the ministry? Pay the price. 
abide in me. I'm not suggesting that you spend five hours a day in prayer, but he gets up at three o'clock every day. When Buchan begins to preach, God turns up. Just a few things from John 15. My father is the vine dresser. What a beautiful statement. It's not the horticulturist. It's not the pruner. He's the vine dresser. He loves us and from time to time he will come to your life. He will prune it. <coughs> he will cut it back and he will bless you with trouble to do it. <laughs> it's terrifying, isn't it? God does that. The Bible says, blessed is the man who endures trials. James. Blessed, greatly to be envied, is the man who encounters various trials. For when it's finished, it will bring forth a righteousness of character. Our Father in heaven is a vine dresser. You know, I have roses. I love roses. I have them in my garden. And when the season's over, I prune them back. My wife almost has a heart attack. I slaughter them. She says, those things will never, ever live again. What are you doing? I say, wait, lovey. I'm beautifying them. And you cannot believe how beautiful my roses are right now. Every day when I found my wife, one of the first things I say, how are my roses? <laughs> You see, and of course, being the true romantic that I am, I cut them and I say, for you, my love, the best roses. <laughs> Amen. And that's what God will do for you. You may be going through times of difficulty now, but you've got to hang on to God because he is a vine dresser. And every branch in him that bears fruit, he will cut it back. Amen. You have to be ready for that. You have to submit to it. You know, the other thing about this vine, which is very interesting, about a vine. You know, vines have dead leaves, like the dead things in your life that need to go. Vines have dead leaves. But the thing about these dead leaves, you know that the dead leaves of a vine, they don't just fall off and go. The truth is, the sap in the vine pushes them off. It's remarkable. The sap will push them off. Jesus' life in you will push off the dead leaves of your life. Isn't that wonderful? That's why he calls you to abide in him. So many Christians struggle to change. They go round and round the same thing all the time. It always pulls them down. They always get caught in it. They never get out of the cycle of its tyranny. And if you have to be honest, there are many Christians like that. The truth is, if we spend more time with Jesus... The sap of his life 
push off the dead leaves of your life. Do you know, friends, I sometimes hear people saying, Lord, I want more of you. Do you know that's not true? God can't give you anything more. Oh, God, we want more of you. What are you talking about? God's more box is empty. He's got nothing more to give you tonight. The Bible says he blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That, ladies and gentlemen, is past tense. He has given us everything we need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. God has given you everything. He can give you nothing more. The truth is, God wants more of you. Amen. God wants more of you, madam. What is your prayer life like? You say you want more of God. He's given you everything. He wants your fellowship. He wants more of you. And Paul prayed that. You see, we're so taken up with what we can get from God. But in the book of Ephesians, let's turn there now. We'll go back to John 15. Is everybody with me? In the book of Ephesians, Paul says the people of God need a revelation of what God can get from us. He wants more of you. Ephesians 1 verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Notice that. That, this is what he prays. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. God wants more of you. And the only way he can have more of you is through your prayers. You know, Paul said he prayed day and night. Do you think he did? Or how many of you think he was speaking rhetorically? How many of you think he really meant it? I think he meant it. Jesus is here. He's having a discussion with you tonight. And with me, you can feel him. 
He wants to know what's going on. Abide in me. Stay in me. And the sap of my life will transform you. The dirty leaves of your life will go away. The things you thought could never happen in your life will happen. But you know, the third thing from that chapter that is very interesting is he said, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. And in fact, he says in that chapter that he's called us that we might bear fruit and bear it abundantly. And, and the idea is not simply the fruit of the Spirit. It includes that. But it's more than that. It's having to do with going into the world and being fruitful. I, he says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. That you should go into the world and bear much fruit. Hmm. That's another interesting concept. Let me put it this way. Jesus came to Peter after the resurrection at the Sea of Galilee. And he said to Peter, Hey, do you love me? You can just see this. I love these pictures of Jesus. There he is. It's a beautiful place today, still recorded, called the Primacy of St. Peter. Who's been there? Beautiful place, simple, plain, little brick church. Sea of Galilee lapping the church, little beach. It's near Capernaum. Jesus says to Peter, hey, let's have a chat. Just like he says to John or Mary or Jane or Bill. Yeah, tonight. He says, you know, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, you know I love you, Lord. You know that. He says, hmm, okay. Can I ask you a question? Peter says, okay. What's it? Peter, do you love me? Can you imagine, Peter? Hey. What's up? You know I love you. What are you getting at? So Jesus says, hmm, okay. Peter, can I ask you another question? Okay. Do you love me? This is a real conversation, folk. Imagine if I'm talking to Brian like that. He said, I think I'm a sugar. It's a Hebrew word meaning I'm a bit. Do you love me, Peter? Peter then says, Jesus then says, okay, Peter, you say you love me. Then feed my sheep. Isn't that extraordinary? Do 
I've called you. You didn't choose me, he says. You are to abide in me. I'm telling you, he says. I want you to bear a lot of fruit. And if you love me and you claim you abide in me, then who are you feeding? Who are you feeding with your life? How involved in you are you in Jesus' work? You love me, you abide in me. Bear much fruit. People should be feeding off your life. People should be feeding off my life. Who's feeding off your life? You know, Jesus is here. He's asking these awkward questions. I feel awkward about it, don't you? A little like awkward. It's like he's right here now doing what he did to Peter. Can you imagine how Peter felt? Okay, this is a little odd. How come you're talking like this? What's going on here, Lord? What's going on here tonight? Because he's here. Yes, he is. You can feel him. He's talking to you because he loves you. Now he's got you where he wants you. Looking at you. Are you feeding my sheep? Because you claim you love me. is amazing my dear friends you know God is here I don't want to move here but he loves you madam sir And tonight he's asking you these questions. Because his people Israel are dying and being killed. And his church is dying in the hundreds of thousands. I know 
my daughter goes to Iraq. to help the dying church. She works five miles from ISIS to retrieve the broken lives of people who saw their family beheaded and killed. in the hundreds of thousands and Jesus weeps and he speaks to me and you do you love me And what will you do after tonight? What will you do what will I do Lord Jesus I just thank you for your wonderful presence. I thank you, Lord, that you love your people. And tonight you've called us to love you. And we can be like Peter. We can mouth off such great words. We can even sing them. But Lord Jesus, you know. In this wonderful temple of your spirit tonight, We ask you to help us. Refocus us. Give us the courage, Jesus, to make changes with your grace tonight. You ask us to pray. You say this is a house of prayer. Please help us, Lord Jesus, please, to make it so. Let it not be words. Let it be, I pray, O oh God, that every child, woman, and man here will be in the prayer meeting. And help us, Lord Jesus, as we hear your words coming to us.
Do you love me? Let people pluck fruit from my life and from the lives of these dear children. that they may feed your sheep. For you are wonderful. Your name is wonderful. And we worship you tonight, Jesus. And even now, touch bodies in this place. Even now, by your wonderful presence, heal your children. Let your presence come over them. For you call them tonight. Deliver them. Show them your love. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your wonderful presence. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk.